I'm so glad you're joining me for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're taking a look at racism and public health. In 2020, the American Medical Association declared that racism is a threat to public health. This came on the wake of all of the deaths and the sickness and illness that we saw as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. So what we're talking about is health disparities. How do we deal with these health disparities? How do we help keep people alive? How do we make our communities health healthier? And why do they exist in the first place? That's what we're going to find out from our panel. We've got a great panel for you. Joining me is Dr. Torian Easterling. He's a chief equity officer of the New York City Health Department. He's also the first deputy commissioner. Dr. Easterling, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. We appreciate it. Also with us is Styles P. He, as you know, is a legendary hip hop artist. He's a member of the group The Locks, and he's also a health advocate. We've had him on the show a number of times talking about hip hop and health and staying healthy even while you're on the go and in a very active entertainment industry type of lifestyle. And he is also the owner of Juices for Life. Styles, great to have you with us. What's up, sis? How you feeling? I'm doing great, thanks. Thanks so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Always. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Karina Reyes. She's a New York State Assembly member from the Bronx. She's also a registered nurse. Karina, thank you so much for being with us. Always good to see you, Lisa. We appreciate it. Dr. Easterling, I want to start with you on this. In terms of the, when we talk about health disparities, what are we really talking about here? Yeah, we're talking about um, intersecting system structures that are set up uh, and we see differences in uh, health outcomes. Um, we see these differences in educational outcomes. We also see these differences in how people access resources. And so we don't want to just focus on, you know, whether or not someone has health insurance, someone is able to access their primary care doc. What we're saying is we want everyone to be able to achieve the healthiest life that they can. In order to do that, we need to make sure that the systems that are set up value the life of everyone. And so in New York City, what we say is that your zip code should not determine your, your length of life, your health status, but that's the fact, that's, that's the reality here in New York City and many other uh, metropolitan cities. So mm -hmm. if you're standing in Brownsville, less than 11 miles you'll from, away from Brownsville, someone can have a higher uh, life expectancy and someone who resides in Brownsville, and that, should, that shouldn't be. Definitely, and that's why we wanted to do the show, to highlight this, explain this, help everybody understand this, and also empower ourselves so that we can help, help our families and our neighbors here. Styles, when did you first really become aware of the, of the health disparities, and just in terms of the food that's available in the communities? Um, honestly, when I was fortunate enough to make money and move into a, a more affluent neighborhood, and just by going to the supermarkets and noticing the stores that were around, it, it was just such a big difference. It, it was actually really shocking. And um, as um, the commissioner just said, I didn't live too far from where I originally grew up. It wasn't that that many miles away. It's maybe 10, 10, 11 miles away, you know, 20 at tops. But the 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 lifestyle and the difference of the the the, the produce, um, even though I'm plant-based, even the meat, the chicken. Everything is just a big difference that you see when you live in a wealthy neighborhood as to what you see in a, um, in a poor community. And, and as the deputy commissioner said, everyone, food should be equal for everyone. That shouldn't, be a, that shouldn't be determined on your class or what you make, how much you have, or you know, how powerful you are in life. Everyone should be you know, able to 
eat the same amount of things, you know, same quality. Right. The definitely cuttiness. What you you were in the hospital too during the during the height of the pandemic. We spoke with you at that time. How did you see these health uh, disparities, especially for people of color and under-resourced communities, play out? Yeah. Well, one of the one of the uh, predetermining factors in how what your outcomes would be with COVID were if you had existing underlying conditions like diabetes, heart disease. Um, uh, all those comorbidities. And the reality is that in communities of color are, are prevalent uh, of being diabetic, uh, hypertension, heart disease are so much higher. Um, and it's not just related to personal choice. It's what uh, Dr. Easterling said, it's these intersecting systems. You know, we've talked about um, environmental justice and how uh, Robert Moses designed uh, highways that intersected, divided our communities, and dumped tons and tons of pollution in our neighborhoods every day. Uh, and that's why, for, uh, for example, in the Bronx, we have the highest asthma rates for children and the highest right. hospitalization rates for asthma exacerbation in children as well. Um, and all those factors contribute to our, our outcome. And that's why we saw communities of color having some of the highest uh, more morbidity and mortality rates related to COVID. Um, another thing is that uh, a lot of industrial, uh, a lot of these commercial companies market to black and brown communities disproportionately unhealthy foods uh, uh, like sugary drinks, like high fat um, foods. There's a reason why in our communities, you will see a lot of fast food uh, restaurants, but you're, you'll, you'll be hard pressed to find a, a place where you can buy a fresh salad. And I think um, what Juices for Life has done, particularly in a community like mine, is provided that option, that healthier option for people. And people want them. People frequent them. If you right. stop by Juices for Life, at least in my neighborhood, it's always packed um, because people are very conscious of what they're ingesting and, and, and um, what they're putting in their bodies, and they want to be healthier. Um, and we just have to provide those options. But some of that includes uh, having government investment. Uh, some of that means private investment. Uh, we want people um, like like uh, Juices for Life to invest back into our community uh, because we really, really need that. And that's what he's done. All right, we're gonna we're gonna continue our conversation about racism and health disparities. We're gonna talk about the vaccine. We're gonna talk about COVID. We're also gonna talk about: Are you born with a certain tendency to get certain illnesses, or can you really reduce your risk? by certain health, healthy lifestyles. We're going to find out what our guests have to say when we come back. This is Street Soldiers. I'm Lisa Evers. Don't go away. Hey, what up, y'all? This is Lloyd, the King of Hearts, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people only on Hot 9-7. You dig? Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about racism and health disparities. We have an amazing panel for you. Joining me is Dr. Torian Easterling. He's the Chief Equity Officer for the New York City Health Department and also First Deputy Commissioner. Dr. Easterling, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you again for having me. We appreciate it. Also with us is Styles P, legendary hip hop artist, member of the group The Locks, and he's also a health advocate and owner of Juices for Life and Pharmacy for Life. And he's been talking about health and had his own health journey for a long time. Styles, thank you so much for being with us on this. Love, sis. Love my brother. Thank you so much. Also with us is Karina Reyes. She's a New York State Assembly member from the Bronx. She's also a registered nurse, has been one of our frontline healthcare workers throughout the pandemic, 
while maintaining her uh, political duties and duties to her constituents. So, Karina, we want to want to thank you for that. You know, for all the all the efforts that you've done on, on behalf of the community, especially in the early days when very few people were speaking about, you know, what was actually going on. So, thank thank you for your work with that, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for having me. We we appreciate it, Karina. When when you first saw COVID. You know, COVID breakout, and you saw what was happening. What were some of the things that you, that you noticed in the community? Um, uh, in the community, I think there was just this kind of blanket of uncertainty. Um, it was mixed information, and the and the information was changing by the minute. Um, not just for us personally as healthcare workers, because uh, we saw that as we were working in in medical facilities as well. But I think just for the general public. The fact that, that we didn't have clear, concise information and it was ever-changing uh, created this mistrust. Um, people just didn't know what to do. Um, some people, I mean, you would see folks outside that looked like they had complete hazmat suits on, uh, and then you would see people that didn't believe this was happening and, and were completely unprotected. Um, but I think in general, there was just fear of, of, what, was, of what was happening, uh, very understandably so. And, and also you talked about Dr. Uh, Dr. Easterling, um, uh, Assemblymember Reyes talked about too, like the, the way information was being transmitted. Especially, you know, I say this as a news reporter, this was kind of an uncharted territory. And a lot of the doctors we spoke with said, and the health department said, listen, we've never been in this place before. It's kind of like learning while you're in the middle of, you know, learning how to fly the plane while you're 30,000 feet above the air and going into a mountain range. So in terms of the information, You've tried to tell, tell us some of the things that you've tried to do in terms of getting out accurate information and really building that trust within the community, because that seems to have been a real problem. A lot of people just, first of all, they didn't believe it was real. Then they didn't believe that, you know, people were actually dying from that. Then they didn't believe that they needed to, if a, a, vac a vaccine could help them. Other people had a lot of skepticism. How do you deal with that? Yes, uh, Lisa, really good question, and you hit the nail on the head. We were certainly built in the plane, and we were flying it all at the same time. I mean, this was a new coronavirus, and even though there were previous coronavirus, but the way that this virus spread from many continents to continents, and then having to really try to help people understand what their roles could be was really challenging. Um, and so, like you said, really want to acknowledge the role that Assemblymember Reyes had played as a frontline healthcare worker, but also just many essential workers, whether they were cabbies, whether they were at their right. bodega, a lot of people were getting out information. So the things that we did, we use our existing infrastructure. So the mayor was holding press conferences on a daily basis. We were certainly get a lot of, getting a lot of information out through news media outlets, but then also on our website, which was really important. But the also, which is a really important part of our public health infrastructure, are the many community-based organizations and mutual aid societies that are out there on the ground, really knocking on doors, talking to individuals, including our faith-based organizations. So, you know, I don't know how many town halls I did, probably in, in the neighborhood of a thousand or more, but really just being out there. But we had so many physicians, so many folks that were out there holding these town halls because we had to keep our distance, but we still needed to make sure that information was getting out there. We also had our cure violence teams, just handing out masks and also handing out pamphlets. So it really just showed our collective resiliency to make sure that we were supporting our communities. But as you mentioned, it was a really challenging situation. But, but there was a big, there was a, like there was a big uh, 
switch, I think, even with the testing, once it became more community-based, once there were the mobile units, once people knew, oh, that's at the school or that's at my kid's school or that's at the, ch the church that we go to. Styles P, in, in terms of how people have gotten the information, do you feel like, do you trust the information? Because you're very opinionated on a lot of these health, health issues and stuff. And do you think there was enough emphasis on people really changing their, their lifestyle too? Because you know, obesity was a, one of these factors that made you more at risk. You know, it, it's, 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 this is a deep subject because we're speaking about racism and, and, you know, how it affects the community. And, you know, I am very opinionated. So I really look at it from my, my own really honest personal standpoint. That's is, what we want. That's what we want. When America, I feel us, us brown people, um, black people, whatever you want to call it, we have to stop looking for the government and white America to give us a fair shot. We have to stop looking for them to stop being racist. That's, that is, that is not going to happen. You have to work with the people that are, that are not racist and that are willing to work with you. And you have to really look where the country is. If you look at America and look at America's healthcare system, and, um, as the sister was mentioning, all the things we deal with, that is definitely, we deal with it most in a brown and black community. But if you look at the population of America and what's going on, there's a lot of white people that are misinformed. So the higher ups, the 1% don't care about the white people that are in the 99%. So how the hell are they gonna care about the black people? So I feel like it's on us to have whatever sources of information you, you could get and get together and not just argue. I feel like somehow it was a program set up for people to argue. Like if you have a different opinion uh, than I, I have a different opinion than you. Now we have to dislike each other, argue instead of getting all the information possible, instead of saying, okay, here's why I feel safe. Here's why I don't feel safe. And you being able to tell me the same thing and whether we agree or not be able to move forward as a society. I think society has programmed us as brown people to keep looking at white people to be stopped being racist when that's not gonna happen. We keep looking for them to take care of our health when that's not going to happen. The proof is in the numbers. The proof is in the pudding. So I think it's for all, you know, people of color to say, you know, we have to take care of each other and know whether you're in Congress, Senate, healthcare system, um, you know, you're an essential worker, you sell juice, you do music, you're a construction worker, you're just a mom, you're a pop. We as a people have to start being informed just about what's happening with our bodies, what's happening with the food that's put out, um, what's happening with the education on the food that's put out. And then I think we're able to move on. But me, honestly, I, I'm, I'm at a point where I've just hit the, I've, I've been hit the limit of looking for white people or racist white people, not all white people, racist white people to stop being racist and asking them to stop being racist. You, you seen, you, you, you seen things happen with the Jewish community um within the past few years so that that's white on white rather white skin on white skin so i think when it comes to the brown community we just have to learn how to push forward together and know how to take care of ourselves and 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 you know deal with those who are going to work with us and those who not you know basically middle finger and keep it moving and and i'll say i'll say one thing dr easterling in, ter in terms of in terms of your job of getting this accurate information out as you're getting it officially and it's it's changing. One of the things that I noticed was initially when the vaccine first came out, it was, okay, you have to go online, you have to go through this, 
you have to go through this menu, a little bit complicated for some people. If you're not sitting at a desktop or on a laptop with a 5G, you know, with a high or high speed Wi-Fi in your home. And a lot of people, they just, in, especially in the underserved community, under-resourced communities, don't have that kind of technology or access to Wi-Fi. So then as soon as you made it, you could walk up and set up an appointment. Then it became you could walk in or you could do this. There was, there was a huge shift. How much of your job is really just understanding the way people are living on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, all of it. Um, everything that I do is, is bringing the experiences of our community to my job. Uh, and as a simple member mentioned, you know, I live in the same communities that I'm fighting for. Um, and, you know, the, the thought around the vaccine was making sure that our equity approaches were baked in from the very beginning. And certainly there were things that we missed. And I think part of equity means being transparent, right? Where did we drop the ball? Certainly we wanted to ensure that we were putting out sound information that the, we were reassuring folks that vaccines were safe and effective, but we understood that the appointments did create some barriers and there is a digital divide uh, in our community. So how do we get around that? We worked with community-based organizations. We prioritized appointments in the neighborhoods where we knew that would have been hardest hit by COVID-19. So there are gonna be some additional steps that we're gonna have to take to close the gap. We saw that during the pandemic, that folks, uh, black and brown folks were two to three times more likely to die from the pandemic. So we needed to make sure that that access was there, but it wasn't just about access as you've heard from Styles P and also the assembly member, we need to make sure that the map, the message matched the messenger. And so you did, you saw me out there, but you also saw our community-based organization and our faith-based organization who played critical roles in just getting the message out. Oh, and we making still people have feel, right, and making people feel comfortable because they were credible yeah. messengers and people that they trusted because they've shown their dedication and proved their dedication over the years to the community. We're gonna take a short break. This is Street Soldiers, I'm Lisa Evers. When we come back, we're gonna talk about is your race, your destiny, your health destiny, how much can you really control and how can you empower yourself and your loved ones? We'll find out when we come back. Stay with us. What up? This is Trey Songz and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, real people only on Hot 9-7. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about racism and health disparities. In 2020, the American Medical Association declared racism as a threat to public health. And why? Because people of... Uh, minorities in the United States, black and brown people denied access to health care in certain situations, denied the same quality level of health care. What we're focusing on now is what you can do to empower yourself, what you can do to stay as healthy as possible, even if at times the deck is stacked against you. And as other societal changes are underway, Sometimes those are going to take time, but what can you do right now? That's what we're talking about with our guest. Joining me is Dr. Torian Easterling. He's the chief equity officer for the New York City Health Department and also the first deputy commissioner. Dr. Easterling, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. We appreciate it. Also with us is Styles P, legendary hip hop artist and member of the group The Locks. He's a health advocate, really a trailblazer, especially in the whole entertainment industry on this issue and uh, owner of Juices for Life. And pharmacy for lifestyles. Thank you so much for being with us. Always, sis. Thank you, love. Thank you, my brother, love. I appreciate it. Also with us is New York State Assembly Member Karina Reyes. She is um, represents the Bronx. She's also a registered nurse and is also a frontline healthcare worker. Uh, has been throughout the pandemic since the start. So, Karina, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate it. 
Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Styles, I want to talk, I want to talk with you, you know, sh to share a little bit of your health journey with everybody, because when, when you first came, when you first came on Street Soldiers, you, you were much heavier, you were eating a whole different kind of diet. And then the next time you came back, like a year or two later, you were on this uh, whole plant thing, your whole life had changed. Why did you, why did you make that switch initially from the type of diet that we typically see, you know, a lot of people eating with fried food, fast food, that type of thing? Just a, a, actually a numerous amount of reasons. Um, certain health issues. I had, I had eczema, post-nasal drip. I was overweight, but most of all, I had a, a very bad temper and I, you know, I was doing things I knew I was too smart to be doing. So I figured somewhere down the line, something I was eating was giving me a chemical imbalance or kind of throwing me off or throwing my mood off and just started wanting to um, eat cleaner. And also my wife just telling me, make sure I incorporate starting to eat clean and, you know, take care of myself more and then moving, making money and moving. So it was a fusion of things happening in my life all at once that made me really understand and especially for brown people coming up um, from, you know, come from poor neighborhoods, you you focus on getting money and trying to make it out and trying to make yourself a life and college and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that you're never really taught about the inside of your body in a proper context. You never really even realize that the, the fried chicken spot, the pizza spot, fried chicken spot, liquor right. store, you know, bad produce is a setup for you to not the, you know, be the best you you could be. So once I kind of understood that, it was like, and then having a hip hop background, I felt it was kind of my prior priority for me to voice, you know, to take care of yourself, take care of your insides. Because the truth is, most of us, even people watching right now, if you think about it, you wash your body outside of your body multiple times a day. Um, you wear the best clothes that you can afford. You put the best oil and gas in your car that you can afford. But when's the last time you have taken care of the inside of your body? How much do you focus on cleaning the inside of your body as much as the outside? And the truth is, most of us, practically all of us don't. That's a very hard thing to do. But if you try to keep it in mind and incorporate it and spread that, take care of yourself, that leads to you taking care of your, your wife, um, your husband, your significant other, your partner, whatever, your children. Then it leads to your friends. Then it leads to your, you know, your community and so on and so on. And it just becomes, you understand that um, food is that medicine, medicine is that food. And that's the, you know, try to eat clean and be the best you you could be and do the best you can. You don't have to, be, I am plant-based. Um, I'm not the creator though. I didn't, I'm pretty sure when he made meat and animals, he knew people were gonna eat them. So even in my people, we eat meat and animals. And I say, make sure you eat the cleanest you can. Now start making sure instead of you getting to the, supermarket in the hood where the chicken is filled up with hormones, antibiotics, all kind of drugs, probably 10 times larger than the chicken should be. You should go somewhere and get some grass fed, no antibiotics, you know, grill it instead of fry it and just start doing little things and making little steps to take care of your body, your mind and your soul just to, you know, be around for your family. Cause as we said, there's a lot of things in play already. It's systematic racism health racism, educational racism. Um, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're, 
we have a lot of a lot to go against every day. So you have to wake up and try to be the best you can. You can. All right, be and, and and I want to ask Dr. Easterling about that because part part of part of the thing too is like you go into the more affluent to Styles' point about the economics of this. You the more affluent communities you go into, and that that's across the board, whether they're they're mixed communities, mixed racially and ethnically, all white, all black. As long if they're at the you know private homes, you know private homes, suburban type of areas, the people are a lot a lot thinner. Than, than what you see, what we see in the city. But then to what's, what Styles was saying, yes, to eat clean, to try to eat clean. But if you're working two or three jobs, if you're going to work at five o'clock in the morning and the only place open is the donut shop, you know, as you're getting onto the subway and then you're coming home at 11 o'clock, you don't want to cook up, you know, cook up a whole bunch of vegetables or this or that or whatever, or you're, you're coming home and the kids and the meal, you know, the, the fast food meal is a dollar or the pizza is a dollar with a soda. I mean, how do you how do you deal with that? Because that's that's part. Isn't that part of a, a big part of the problem? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, all, all really important points. And so Styles talked about sort of the, the, the behavioral outcomes and the health outcomes, diabetes, you know, heart disease, obesity, all of these things that we're certainly worried about. Um, and then, you know, you also raise sort of the food system, you know, supermarkets, housing. I'm going to take it a step back, you know, and just sort of looking at these intersecting systems, right? And when we okay. talk about structural racism and why this is really important that we have to move upstream and we have to really dismantle these systems that have not worked for black and brown folks. And so when we think about some of the systems, residential segregation, housing has been one of the main systems that have worked against us. Early 1900s, the government assigned certain mortgages and those were predatory mortgages had high, high rates and particularly in certain communities. And they were quote unquote, less desirable. And, and many of the communities that are now Brownsville, East Harlem, the South Bronx. And you see in those same areas, that's where black and brown folks live. Those are the same neighborhoods where you see higher rates of Medicaid, Medicaid and Medicare recipients, public health hospitals, and you also see schools that are less performing. And so, you know, these are not things that are, you know, coincidence, this is by design. And so when all of these systems come together, this really means that we are not really providing the advantage for individuals to have easy choices to be healthy. And so what our work has to be, first naming it, right? We have to say, this isn't right. We have to undo and dismantle it. And then we have to make sure that we're putting in the right practices and policy, which is why I'm in government, which is why the work that I do at the New York City Health Department is to make sure that we're being accountable and transparent about the work of dismantling racism and how it shows up in all these systems. So we work with hospitals. We have to make sure we're protecting black women and brown women when they're delivering babies, right? We have to just Number be authentic one, yeah, exactly. in that way, right? And, and I think we can do more. People can advocate for themselves, but we also have to make sure the system is set up it's that someone's system. gonna walk in, deliver, and exit out with their baby and be happy. Styles, what about that institutional piece of it? You're saying like, look, you can't wait for things, as an individual, you can't wait for things to change. You gotta do what you can do for yourself. Yeah, you gotta get out here and kind of do what you have to do because it's, um, first of all, uh, I wanted to say um, thank you to the doctor and to the assembly woman when she comes back on because usually when you do these kind of things, you get, you get a, a bunch of bull crap mixed in with a bunch of, you know, with, with some realness. And I feel with them being able, even addressing the other issues beyond the, the issue we're dealing with at hand makes it real because that's, that's a conversation that needs to be had. And 
usually people are not willing to have it and not not kind of on front street with it. Like you know, I am I am very opinionated. Um, you know, I don't I don't choose either party. I'm a I'm for the party of the people. But what I do respect though, when people come and bring real issues and talk about them, and that's people you can stand by, whether you have differences of opinions or same opinions. When if you're gonna bring it all on the table and bring it out, I think that's something we need to deal with because as we're saying, there's so many so many systems that we have to fight as people of color that it's, it's, it's almost ridiculous to think anybody would trust the government at any given point. <laughs> you, you know, there's like, let's just be for real about it. Like from schools, as we were saying, to the healthcare prior to the, you know, prior to the virus, um, jail systems. And then when you even want to think about it, if, when you think about, um, when white people move to a neighborhood, Whole Foods comes down. When the neighborhood gets gentrified, then it's like, okay, we could bring Whole Foods and Starbucks here. Now we could bring some good things. So it's kind of like, how do you expect the people to believe you that you're telling every day you're not worth crap? Okay, if white people move around there, we're gonna throw some stuff up there. But, but Styles, I think it's 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 not just white people. It's it's people with money. When yeah, people with money move in the area and can afford a five dollar cup of coffee or well, a, a $12 takeout, takeout sushi lunch meal or something like that, that that's a whole different thing. So yet the rate, I think the racism piece that we're focusing on here is actually in the, is the structural part in the institution. Right. Dr. Dr. Easterling, really quick before we go yeah. to break, in terms, in terms of how do, how, do, how do you dismantle that type of prejudice that's, that's part of, a, it's built into our culture as well, that, that racial prejudice, how do you dismantle that? And, what do you say to people, you know, who who don't trust the government, or, and you're and you're out there trying to get people to believe and understand? There's, you know, there, there's a new vanguard that's in, in that's getting into high influential places. Do you really believe change is possible? Absolutely. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. Um, and I certainly think that we're going to have to continue to message to our communities that we do have people in senior leadership roles who are continually working on this. This is going to be a long road, right? Over 400 years, it has truly been entrenched into this society. And so we're going to have to take just as much time, hopefully maybe not, um, to really undo it. And the work that we're doing right now in city government is naming it. And so we have also declared and passed a resolution saying that racism is a public health crisis. We're saying this because we need to mobilize our resources. We need to look at these policies. We need to undo them. And so not just in residential segregation, also looking at all of this different systems that Styles have mentioned. You know, when we look at food systems, when we look at how uh, jail systems are set up, what are we doing with our data to change the outcomes? I think people can step in uh, and be activated by continuing to engage elected officials. And so we're putting out this data. Every community district, whether you're in the South Bronx, you're Staten Island, whether you're in Queens, whether you're in, in Brooklyn, you have the data. All of this is on our website. You can look at it by poverty and you can look at it housing, um, jail incarceration. All this data is available to you and talking to your elected official then it really allows you to say, here are the resources that I wanna see in my neighborhood. How, am I, how is my community board responding to these health outcomes? What can my community-based organizations and churches do to advance the work that I wanna like see? How, how can they plug, in, plug into it? Yeah, all right, we're gonna take a, all right, thank you. We're gonna take a short break. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. 
Yeah, 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 salute. This is General Steele from Smith & Wesson. And right now you're listening to Street Soldiers with your girl Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people. Only on Hot 97. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about racism and health disparities with Dr. Torian Easterling. He's the chief equity officer for the New York City Health Department and also the first deputy commissioner. Dr. Easterling, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Thank you. Also with us is Styles P, legendary hip hop artist, member of the group The Locks, and a health advocate and owner of Juices for Life and Pharmacy for Lifestyles. My brother, great to have you with us. Love is love, sis, always. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Also joining us is New York State Assembly member Karinas Reyes. She's also an RN. She represents the Bronx. Karinas, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Let me start. Let me start with you, Assembly Member. The in terms of what you see, things that are can be done. You know, we we've seen some of these steps that have been done, and but in terms of influencing the structure, especially for women too, what do you see can be done to to help dismantle that any any elements of racism that are in our healthcare delivery system? Yeah, I think for one is we really have to put resources into the delivery of healthcare uh, for women and, and in communities of color. Um, for example, if you look in our communities, we don't have birthing centers in the Bronx. Um, there are very few places where women have uh, to choose from to deliver their babies. Um, we want to make sure that they have access to doulas and midwives. Um, and we want to really remove the barriers to a medical education because we want um, people of color from our communities to be able to afford uh, and be able to uh, uh, get into medical schools and nursing tracks. And, you know, we start from very early on uh, teaching sciences and humanities. So kids get become interested, become engaged. Um, and, and we want to provide resources so they can actually go to medical school and come back to our communities and, and be, the, be the face of healthcare delivery in our communities. Because we need people that look like us, that understand our culture, that understand our needs, to be the ones that are delivering our health care. And Dr. like Easterly, I said, we need to put resources uh, into, into these, these initiatives. No, and you, you, talk, you talk about who's delivering the health care in terms of the medical profession. Dr. Easterling, what about in terms of, in terms of doctors? There, there's very few black male doctors out of the, all of the doctors, underrepresented. Yeah, absolutely. That is the, the real sombering uh, fact um, that we, we are actually seeing now less black men, black and brown men going into medical school than we saw in the 1970s. So, you know, as I simply mentioned, we need to really support a pipeline. Um, we need to be engaging our young folks, um, certainly at an early age, talking about our elementary school. But then we need to make sure that all the other systems that are impeding our young black students, young black and brown students in getting into these type of fields um, that we have to address them. So whether we're talking about the criminal legal system, whether we're talking about housing, we need to make sure that there are systems that are really supporting them while also making sure that there's a pipeline. Um, and then I would also just mention, you know, as we're talking about representation, I mean, this is the, the very fact, again, that I don't want to be the only black male doctor that's standing in my position, right. Uh, mentoring, right? Mentorship is really important. And so, you know, the way that uh, Styles has been starting off each segment, we got to ground this in love and compassion, right? We need to reach back. We need to make sure that our kids see us and feel us and make sure that they know that we're real. Styles, what about in, in terms of, in terms of understanding and, and reaching back, you try to do that with what you do. Yeah, we, we, we try to do that a lot. I think, I think, 
I think we're on the path with what we're doing, what we're doing now. I think what it's going to take for my personal opinion for brown people is exactly like what we have going on right now. We have a black male doctor, um, a prominent brown brown queen, assemblywoman nurse, you know, a guy that's from the streets. We have to be able to unify on all fronts. We we have to stop letting finances and classification separate us and understand that we have to combine together as a people. If there's someone you can combine with and push forward the message of, hey, taking care of yourself, get your education right, take care of your body, move forward because we have a lot of, we have a lot of fights at once that we're fighting. So, you know, strength in numbers and a strength in love and positive energy. So I feel like if we have that, it'll make a big change and a big difference and a, and a way to push forward and we'll break down barriers within the Brown community, but we know we could be combined. You don't have to feel intimidated if someone has a different background than you. If you college educated their street or vice versa, you should still understand that we're all pushing together forward to the Brown community. All right. I want to thank all of you for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers. Dr. Torian Easterling, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Styles P, great to have you on as always. Thanks. And uh, New York State Assembly Member Karina Reyes, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we, we appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. Got to give a quick little shout out to Trina and all the, the families at the Brownsville Farmers Market. Guys, great job. Let me know when you want me to come out there with a Fox 5 camera. We'll put it on the news, but uh, great, great work bringing fresh fruit and vegetables uh, to the community there. So they're trying, they're doing it themselves and just a little shout out. But thank you for joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace, love and health equity for all.